Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as IMHIP. In this podcast, we focus on all things surrounding the Illinois Medicaid Managed Care Program. I'm the Sam and Sam Says, and today I'm so excited to welcome Patricia Ann Lee King, ILPQC State Project Director and Quality Lead, to talk about the work of that ILPQC and the maternal health space, what they do. Welcome, Patty. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Sam. Thanks so much for having me. I've really valued the work of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans and our collaboration with you really over our entire existence. And it's really great to be here to talk with you today. Thank you. And I, to sort of pull um, our listeners behind the curtain and let them know we were talking before we started about how I'm so particularly excited about this conversation, because um, as as many of you know, I have a wonderful little four-month-old, and I have personally sort of gone through this experience as a patient recently and saw a real difference and saw some of the work in the on the ground that ILPQC does um, at, you know, and the impact you guys are having in um in the lives of pregnant people and of babies. And it's just amazing. And so I'm just, I value and I'm so appreciative for what you guys, what you guys do. And so I think on that end, let's just start, you know, ILPQC, um, but you know, it's an, one of the many acronyms uh, that we have in the healthcare space, but can you sort of just give us the background of, of what you guys do and, and why it matters? Yeah. Thanks so much, Sam. Yeah. We really work, uh, Truly, uh, with so many acronyms in healthcare space, it's always good to define them up front and maybe repeat them over time. But ILPQC stands for the Illinois Perinatal Quality Collaborative. And we at ILPQC it's a, are a statewide network of hospital teams, perinatal clinicians, patients, public health leaders, and policymakers, um, all committed to improving obstetric and neonatal care to reduce disparities in maternal and infant morbidity and mortality and also improve outcomes for all mothers and other birthing persons uh, and newborns across Illinois through collaboratively identified and developed quality improvement initiatives that we do together. We started in about 2012 after the state prematurity perinatal quality collaborative in Illinois would make sense as a strategy to address prematurity. And we've completed 10 quality improvement initiatives to date since we started um, with our first conference in 2013 and have three initiatives currently in progress. We work with nearly all the birthing hospitals and neonatal intensive care units or NICUs in the state, another acronym. Um, and we do uh, our, our primary work that we do, we call them the three pillars of quality improvement. So like the services we provide to hospital teams um, and their clinicians that work on them are collaborative learning opportunities, which take the form of both webinars monthly for each of our initiatives, as well as live in-person events. They've been virtual for the time being, but they're large events focused on bringing people together to talk about strategies in a different way. Um, and then rapid response data, which is really our ILPQC data system that's not designed just to take data in, but push it right back out to the user to evaluate their performance over time and how they're comparing to other hospitals. And then the quality improvement support that we do for hospital teams um, so that all hospital teams can achieve their improvement goals. We work really closely with the Illinois Department of Public Health's regionalized perinatal system, which is kind of organizes the state into 10 different regions by perinatal centers. Um, we also work with state health agencies 
associations like the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, uh, advocacy groups, patients, and other state committees to do this work. Um, and I, you know, it's I, I get a little bit more into importance when I speak about specific examples, but we really do have evidence that perinatal quality collaboratives, um, both in Illinois and nationally, are a great strategy for addressing. Uh, maternal morbidity and mortality and newborn morbidity and mortality. Um, and so a key thing is bringing people to the table to help be a part of the solution. And I, I think I, I just can't underscore that enough. We have seen over and over again in any healthcare intervention, any SDOH intervention, that so rarely is it that a single entity, whether it's a health plan or a single provider, um, can can drive that change and improvement that we all want to see on their own. It, it's a system change. It's bringing other folks to the table. It's having that um, collaborative conversation working in partnership to better serve the communities that we're trying to serve. And especially when you think of the maternal health space, why I, I get so excited about this collaborative and the work that we do is that in Medicaid, Medicaid covers 50% approximately of the births um, in Illinois and, and truly nationwide, but you know, we're, we're focused on Illinois today. Um, and so there's real power there um, in how can we use the Medicaid program? How can we partner with um, ILPQC to improve outcomes, to better serve folks, um, to to drive change. And, and so can we talk a little bit, um, and you talked about the work you're already doing, but can we talk about, you know, how you're specifically engaging with OBGYNs and, and the work you're doing and the importance of it? Yeah, for sure. I think it's a really, really great, great question and something we get asked a lot. I think this is one of the, the big opportunities for perinatal quality collaboratives and um, for all of us. And again, like you described, this collective work we do. So ILPQC really has a, what we think of as a framework for successfully engaging hospital teams in general and implementing quality improvement initiatives across Illinois. It really includes three parts, engaging the hospitals to create an environment of improvement. So kind of a culture of improvement, motivating the hospital teams to facilitate change at their hospital, and then supporting hospital teams through those three pillars of quality improvement I mentioned earlier, right? Collaborative learning opportunities, creating space to share, rapid response data, getting data back quickly to make decisions about if your efforts are working, and then the quality improvement support we provide to one-on-one -on -one to hospital teams to help make sure everybody achieves their initiative goals and improves outcomes for birthing people um, and their newborns. So within this overarching framework, really a big part of this work is to your point, specifically optimizing obstetric or OB provider engagement in quality improvement. Um, to address this, we really have um, two levels, right? We we work to engage OB providers at every level of the collaborative, which we think of as like this large group that spans the state with different stakeholders. And we provide supports to hospital quality improvement teams to engage OB providers at the clinical and hospital level. Um, so it's really two parts. On the first part, where we look at collaborative level engagement, we really work uh, to engage OB providers at the level of our collaborative through a few strategies. The first one is really um, to facilitate participation of providers and nurses across the state in the selection of our initiatives. So again, how do we choose what to work on together? And this includes really several parts. It starts with a survey of our hospital teams, including our OB providers, uh, before our annual conference in the fall of each year on their interests and priorities for improvement at their hospital. 
Um, and then we bring to the table at that same forum, that annual conference, state PQC leaders and champions from across the nation to share overviews of initiatives they've done on the topics of interest, the most pressing issues for uh, maternal morbidity and mortality at our conference. So our teams can really hear what successful work in this area looks like. Um, we discuss and vote on the initiatives at the conference in our breakout sessions. We do an old fashioned, you know, hand raise and really try to understand where the momentum is. Um, and then we concurrently obtain buy-in with our advisory work group, the Department of Public Health Regionalized Perinatal Systems, so our perinatal network administrator collaborators, and then engage key stakeholder buy-in from all of our, you know, our leadership committee members, uh, um, and including learnings from our state maternal morbidity and mortality review reports that we've had in recent years that have been a very helpful resource. So that's kind of how we select the initiative. And then we also engage providers as well as nurses in the work of the collaborative through several different opportunities. We have an obstetric advisory work group that I mentioned earlier. That's really where members, um, uh, you know, OB leaders and nursing leaders from across the state can be ongoing members of that group to provide input across initiatives and over the course of the entire initiative on all aspects. And they represent um, all regions of the state and different types of hospitals and different types of providers. Um, it's really meant to be an interdisciplinary space. Um, we have quality improvement initiative clinical leads. So for those who have specific expertise or passion about specific initiatives that we're doing, we have a small group that come together and really help us develop the initiative and provide insight as well as take roles in um, you know, key players meetings and other stakeholder development at the hospital levels um, as champions for ILPQC. We have a great group called the Grand Round Speakers Bureau. Um, these, this is a group of, again, champions of the initiative who wanna have maybe a little bit different role and they go across the state to deliver grand rounds to requesting hospitals uh, to really help buy-in among providers at the hospital level. Um, we also bring in people and, and kind of just, again, all paths to engagement are great at ILPQC. So we have face-to-face -face breakout session facilitators. These are individuals who come, OB providers who come into the table, usually with a nurse co-facilitator and um, facilitate discussion among hospital teams uh, and participants in ILPQC on strategies and opportunities that we can grow together in. And then they can also serve on, you know, work groups, subgroups on specific topics of interest. So we never, we, Anybody who's interested, there's a place for them. Either they, they have a lot of time or a little time. We also establish hospital quality improvement leadership teams. So we make sure that um, each quality improvement team at each hospital has the right people at the table. We work with, again, with the Department of Public Health Regionalized Perinatal System and our database of contacts and other collaborators. Um, for example, the Illinois Hospital Association um, bring people together um, to make sure everybody knows about opportunities to be a part of our initiatives and then ask them to develop um, a quality improvement team with a roster that defines team members, their responsibilities and their contact information and their commitment to do this work together. And then the other thing we do to bring in um, players at all levels of the collaborative and uh, specifically OB providers for this conversation is that we support hospital teams in engaging physicians and nurses in the success and sustainability of each, sustainability of, each of their initiatives. So through offering um, uh, different carrots or incentives like ABOG um, and a ABP maintenance of certification part four credits. So these are um, credits that clinicians can get towards their annual certification um, that they can get through participating in a quality improvement initiative at their hospital. 
We also require that uh, there's a physician lead for each team roster um, so that it helps bring that physician champion and leadership to the table. Every team you know, commits to having monthly meetings together and attending ILPQC meetings and looking at their data together. And then we also have um, quality improvement teams that um, are encouraged to have both nurses and physician champions um, attend our in-person meetings to make sure they're at the table. And so then the other part I mentioned was really that we have um, tools for the actual QI team that I've mentioned we support the development of to help clinicians across their hospital, OB providers get engaged, come to the table, um, which is where the real, real work happens. Um, and we really provide them tools to sell the initiative to their providers and nursing staff, um, why we're doing this work, why it matters, what they need to do, what their role is, and how um, their compliance with changes would be monitored to, and to help them achieve buy-in. We also help them um, to define strategies and provide resources for systems change. These are making changes to how the infrastructure of the hospital works to support these strategies. These assist clinical teams um, in helping their clinicians do the right things every time. Um, so things like protocols, checklists, order sets, debrief tools, prompts in the electronic medical record system. And then finally, supporting culture change with resources. Um, so culture change is really changing how the team approaches um, specific issues. And this is through usually through education. And I mentioned we have Brand Brown speakers that can come, drills along with supporting education tools, really um, to help uh, the quality improvement team engage clinicians at all, in all spaces, um, and also teach them how to use their data to show um, the clinical team how they're working towards their goal and where they may need to continue to improve, as well as tools to track um, compliance when optimal care is not provided and tools to provide feedback to the clinicians involved. So I know that's a ton of information. So I'll pause, Sam. I'm sure you have thoughts. Oh, but it's so it's so helpful because I think you really broke it down, Patty, of like why it why it matters and how you can make it usable. Because I think so often when we talk about quality, you know, we think of like that 10,000 foot level of what, you know, what does that mean? And, and, you know, we measure it at heat ice levels, you know, with the health plans and, you know, there's all these, it, it's too high sometimes. Um, because when you, at the end of the day, how you improve quality is down at that practice level. And, and does that doctor have that conversation with that patient or is the system in place for those checklists, you know, where we're always talking about that. And, you know, we're all, you know, are we doing a screening on prenatal anxiety and depression and um, substance use disorder. Are we doing that screening? Because if we're doing that screening and we find that either somebody is does, is experiencing prenatal depression or um, has had a substance use disorder um, diagnosis in the past, are we supporting that patient? Um, and if you're not doing the screening, you don't know. So the chances of you supporting that patient are probably pretty low. And so then you're not, you know, then there are misses, right? Like patients, people, pregnant people are falling through those cracks. And so you break it all down and you make it so usable, so approachable, and you're supporting the, the teams that are making those changes to better serve people, to improve quality. And I think, so you just like outlined how it all works. Um, and why it works and why it matters. Um, and that it's not just, you know, I think so often we can get lost by just the high level saying we want to improve birth outcomes 
well, there's a lot there. And even within, we want to better, you know, we want to better address prenatal and postpartum depression. There's a lot there, you know, like even when you get more granular, there's so much, and there are so many touch points and system changes that are needed to do that work. And that's where you guys are really good at not trying to boil the ocean. You pick a few initiatives and you do them really well. Um, and, And you remove some, I think the intimidation of trying to tackle some of these, these thorny challenges and, and meet the providers and the hospitals where they are. Um, and, and so to that end, can you talk a little bit more, you know, a level set of like, okay, these are the initiatives we're, we're handling here in 2022, but what's on the horizon, uh, for the program, um, this, you know, this year and, you know, and the out years and, you know, really just your, the challenges and opportunities from your perspective. For sure. Yes, and I think your points are really well taken. I think we really do, to just you know, comment briefly on something you said, we really do think a lot about trying to break down important opportunities into bite-sized pieces um, and provide tools to implement them. And so we think a lot about pacing and strategies. And again, what are the essential elements of this work and how can we break them down? So we are actively working on two uh, Cetric initiatives that I think are really um, important and touch on some really big opportunities in obstetric care right now. Um, and I'll speak to some of the challenges and opportunities for both of them. Um, but we are currently working uh, with hospital teams to implement a promoting vaginal birth initiative and a birth equity initiative. Um, and given that we are um, in this great opportunity, but um, you know everybody has limited resources of doing two initiatives at once, that's kind of our work for for the foreseeable future, we have not selected our future initiatives um, beyond that yet. We're really, we're in this. So, you know, we know that cesarean section or C-section deliveries can increase a birthing person's risk for serious health problems, including infection, postpartum hemorrhage, death, and the repeat C-section births increase the risk of long-term complications, such as placenta accreta, serious pregnancy condition that can be life-threatening. And the, this is a kind of a mouthful, but NTSV stands for nulparous Nulliparis term singleton vertex C-section delivery um, of 26.5% in Illinois. Um, so that's lower than the national rate, which is perceived as good, um, but it's remained relatively unchanged since 2013. So kind of stagnant and it's falling short of the current national goal. We look to the healthy people goal of 2030, um, which is 23.6. So where it suggests that progress towards that goal is stalled. And we really know that there's an opportunity for improvement in Illinois. One thing we look for when we're looking at an initiative um, is variance across hospitals. So uh, NTSV cesarean section delivery rates among Illinois hospitals really varies from zero to 47%, which really reflects a wide range uh, of variation in obstetric practice. Um, And so that's why we're working on the Promoting Vaginal Birth Initiative. Uh, Our aim for that initiative is that by the end of this year, we may extend depending on where we're at. We're collaborative. So we check in with everybody and decide where we are. And we did take a slower start with promoting vaginal birth because of um, COVID. So, you know, we'll we'll check in. But our goal is right now by December that more than 70% of the hospitals participating in our collaborative, which is um, we have, I believe, we have in the 90s, 90 hospitals participating in this initiative. So almost all the birthing hospitals in the state, um, 70% of them will be at or below the healthy people goal um, for their NTSV cesarean delivery rate. And to achieve this, we're really working with the hospitals to increase uh, the percentage of birthing 
people who have cesarean deliveries um, among NTSV births that meet important criteria from the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, ACOG, and the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine, SMFM, they have guidelines on cesarean deliveries and that, that when they're done at the hospitals, that they're meeting those guidelines. Um, so we're really working with OB providers, midwives, nurses to train them on ACOG and SFMM guidelines for cesarean deliveries so they know what they are. Um, labor management strategies and responses to labor challenges that help promote uh, vaginal birth. And then protocols for facilitating uh, decision huddles around choosing, um, you know, deciding whether or not a cesarean delivery is, is needed. So we're working on right now um, patient-centered labor management education for nurses, providers, and staff actually have developed some e-modules that will be released soon that are bite-sized little bits so nursing staff can look at them when they have the moment um, to check in and, and learn some strategies for promoting vaginal birth with labor management. We also have patient education resources supporting vaginal birth on our toolkit online. Um, we have tools to help hospital teams look at how they um, make decisions, uh, including decision huddle tools um, to help support patient-centered decision-making um, about um, labor and delivery, um, updating and standardized uh, protocols that um, will help best support uh, patient labor progress on the challenges up front. We also have checklists to support the use of those ACOG SMFM guidelines I mentioned, um, make sure that we have a conversation about them along the way. And then integrating key labor management support resources into the hospital electronic medical record or EMR to make sure that um, it's, it makes it easier to, to, make, uh, to track and, and use those decision tools, um, as well as developing a system to review key quality improvement data, including ideally you know, um, unblinded provider level data with the clinical team, which can really help motivate change. So, you know, challenges that we're working on right now, this initiative is, is further along. We've been working on it for about a year and a half um, or a year. And we know that, um, you know, hospital teams need, QI teams need support in engaging their OB providers in utilizing the checklist to support the use of the ACOG SMFM guidelines and um, decision huddles, supporting patients and strategies among teams on this now. It's a real big focus for them to learn from each other. They have a real opportunity to look at their quality improvement data now and special dashboards we have to drive QI, um, specifically sharing that unblinded um, provider data to drive change. And then I can't, I know we're almost at time, but I wanted to at least mention um, our birth equity uh, initiative. So we really also know that there are racial inequities in outcomes uh, among birthing people. Um, we know non-Hispanic black birthing people uh, in Illinois are about three times more likely than non-Hispanic white birthing people to die uh, during or within a year of pregnancy from a related complication. And that compared to non-Hispanic white birthing people, all of the racial groups and ethnic groups have a higher rate of severe complications during pregnancy and the year postpartum. So that's why we have the Birth Equity Initiative. We launched this work with hospitals this summer in June. And by 2023, so next year, we really hope to have um, the majority of the hospitals, 75% of them, all the key strategy that we're working on in place. Um, and so we're really focused on actionable strategies that hospital QI, hospital based obstetric QI teams can do. So the things we're working on are implementing universal social determinants of health screening prenatally and during delivery admission. And then that process you mentioned before of supporting them. So connecting patients to needed resources and services. Um, we're also looking at helping hospitals um, review their maternal health quality data by race, ethnicity and Medicaid status to identify disparities and opportunities for improvement. Um, we're working with them on new strategies. We've been working on patient engagement for years, but really engaging them differently 
to help get patients and community members to provide input on their quality improvement efforts. Um, we also have what we're working on right now, um, implementing a strategy um, for shared um, respectful care practices um, among all the clinical staff that's shared with patients, um, labor support people, and um, a survey that allows the patient to provide feedback on their experience at discharge. Um, we're also looking to standardize postpartum patient safety education prior to discharge to make sure everybody leaves understanding urgent maternal warning signs. And that we're also implementing patient-centered staff and provider training to really promote respectful care and active listening to patients to address implicit bias. So again, I know, I know we're uh, running short on time, but hospital teams are really working through the implementation um, of these strategies. With this initiative, you know, the strategies are somewhat unique, distinct, and all could potentially be their own mini initiative. So I think that's our biggest challenge is, is that. And then how to make sure that we create a, you know, we always try to balance burden versus reward with data collection, making sure that we're collecting the right data to drive improvement in these areas um, and organizing our time with the teams to, you know, maybe focus on these as mini initiatives over the course of our time together. Um, so, and there's a lot of opportunities right now for hospitals um, with other OB quality and their OB, OB quality improvement efforts with birth equity, with other hospital level equity work that's currently ongoing, as well as other organizations. You know, there's many out there, including the Illinois Hospital Association, other efforts that are looking at equity um, and aligning those. And I think we have a lot of resources in our toolkit that can help hospitals um, kind of leverage what they're doing to support hospital level efforts as well. Oh, it's so much though. And I'm so glad, like, because I think we could spend the whole time talking about this initiative on health equity and the need for it. And, um, you know, the work that you guys are doing to really start to break that down and to start interventions and, and acknowledge that data is a component of it. It really is. You can't address equity without having good data um, and, and understanding social determinants of health. And so I'm just so glad that you are here um, in Illinois doing this work, that you're helping hospitals, that you're helping the support teams, that you are, um, you know, helping OBs and the full practice, the nurses, you know, everybody um, to improve outcomes and, and to continue to improve the experience for patients. Um, I, I think, and, and patient engagement, because it's, it is work that is dearly needed and we are so grateful for you um, and all that you do and just can't wait to hear more about sort of the outcomes of some of these initiatives um, because that this is the exciting part. But then I think the really, really exciting part is when you see the change um, and you see the adoption and, and what that means in families' lives um, when we can avoid those adverse events. Yeah, be happy to come back and share our outcomes later in the initiatives. Wonderful. Welcome. Well, thank you so, so much for this amazing conversation. Um, and of course, to our listeners to learn more about what I'm hip is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one, we encourage you to visit our website at imhip.net. And of course, don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the Sam and Sam says, thanks for joining us. And until next time, be well and stay safe.